from performing on stage as a dancer with Michael Jackson, Prince, and Paula Abdul to a relationship coach helping men and women to understand one another through gender intelligence. The amazing story of Andre Parody on episode number 271 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Now I become part of the system where I'm one of the upcoming whatever potential Okay, that was, again, that was odd. And from that moment on, I never paid for any training. It was studio right. after studio. I even ended up in a ballet studio because you had to go back to linear bass. The bass, ballet is very straight, linear, right? The structure of dancing in your body. So I ended up in a ballet studio just because it was a layer that was not quite in place. I got a scholarship there. It was like, it was ridiculous. And then within this, again, my brain would still have to go to school, become something, even though all I was wanted to do is dance. And as the door kept opening up in front of me, I remember thinking, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful. And this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello, good people, and indeed, welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. That is me, a pleasure and a privilege to welcome you to the program where we look to help you to grow through what you go through to navigate adversity in your life and achieve your life of peace and prosperity and purpose. We want you to know that you can always go over to drbradmiller.com slash 40dayway for more information about all our back episodes of our podcast and information about our coaching and our courses, all designed to help you to get beyond whatever adverse life conditions you are experiencing right now. We're here because we care and we listen to you. One of the great adversities that many people face is the relationship, the dynamic between men and women. Whether it's marital or dating or any other forms of relationship between the genders, it can be a source of great, uh, of great joy, but also a source of great pain and angst. And our special guest today is going to speak to that issue. His name is Andre Paradis. He has an amazing, incredible story. He's French-Canadian by birth, but he wandered and found his way to Hollywood because he had visions of stardom in his eyes, and he did make it. He was a professional dancer. He worked for Chippendales for a while, but then he also had uh, stints as uh, on the dance programs as a backup dancer for Michael Jackson, Prince, Paula Abdul, among many others, and it became a part of his life. And he was a great dancer, and he was able to teach dancing and make it a part of his life. But he found it ultimately unfulfilling, and he also found a part of that process was 
the dynamic between men and women, many parts of that were just flat out messed up. And he wanted to find some answers. He went off some different directions, even including uh, having a body shop, an automotive body shop for a while, which catered to uh, the stars in Hollywood. But he eventually found his way into the phase of his life where he's at now, launching Project Equinox, which is about helping people in their relationships. Relationships particularly between men and women, helping them to understand one another and to close the gap on pain and hurt feelings and confusion. His goal is to teach and to empower people and society and to change. He's therefore a certified life coach and he leads workshops and programs and has coaching under his website, projectequinox.net. He's a lifelong learner in this area and he has some things to teach us in our conversation today. You're going to find this a really fascinating conversation. His name is Andre Parody, and he's our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast. Let's get into our conversation with Andre Parody right now. You say you have a calling in your life to serve other people, but in order to get to that calling, you've had to go through a few things. So to give us a bit of your story about how you met, came up to find yourself where you're at now through, through facing some challenges in your life. Oh, yes. I try to make that concise. There's three phases in my life. This is number three phase of my life. So started when I, I was born in the wrong family. It was something I believe that I got to when I was five years old. It was disconnect with I was a black sheep, but it was beyond that. It was like not fitting in. It was like somebody had made a mistake. It was very interesting, very strange. So at five years old, I put my feelings and my thoughts together and realized I don't belong here. This is not my people. It's weird, very scary. How is that possible? Feeling completely, I was on my own. And so off I went with life, taking care of myself that way. But what happened to me is at that very young age, I became super aware and paying attention to the world, people, how is it possible, right? Trying to understand my circumstances, but I watched, I started observing the world and watched, especially people. I became fascinated with people, like the human condition and how do you turn out like this and why do you turn out like this and explaining my, so that was my radar. My, my, my brain has been like this since then. I'm watching people behave, life, what does it mean? How does it work? Why does this person have successful? This one's not. So that was how, how I started. Literally, the way my brain is wired and what it's looking for. <clears throat> so fast forward a little bit. Sad little kid, confused, loner. I get to high school. I went to a private high school. And for physical education program, they had, you had options. You could sign up for different things. And I'm almost 16 years old. And this cute little girl comes up to me and said, Oh my God, I'm glad you're here. I want to take ballroom for PE, but we have to sign as a couple. You want to sign up? And I remember, what? <laughs> and I didn't know she knew I existed. I was, like I said, the invisible person. Right. With this cute little thing, you know, asking me to dance with him. I'm holding in my arms for wow. PE. Well, yeah, yeah. Sounded so good. Crazy. Sounded yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was adorable, a little thing. So a week later, we signed up. A week later, we're in class. And I remember this. I'm looking at you right now. It was just so still vivid. I have her in my arms. It's a ballroom class. I think we're learning the cha-cha. 
the teacher is on my right, and what as he starts teaching us the steps, I like he copy instant, everything instantly. Just almost I knew this already, and I just remembered, and I just remember it was really quite. So when it comes to dance, you were a bit of a natural then. Is that right? Completely. Like I said, I, it felt like I knew all of this, and it just recalled it. It was instantly. So I would go from a geek, and in four months, because I'm the guy who could dance with all the girls, and they all want to dance with me because I'm instantly know how to whatever. So I go from geek to star. Okay. And all of a sudden, I'm visible, I'm popular. What? 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 So even with the program to school, we started doing performance in school. Every quarter, special events. We went actually outside the school to perform. We started, had a small troupe. And all I can tell you is that's the only thing I wanted to do. It lifted my spirit. It made me smile. The sad kid was now smiling because that sort of, there's something about moving your body to music, the vibrations of both. Singers will tell you this. They'll sing and hit a no and they start crying because the, like, the physiology and the sound coming together just like it moves the spirit. It moves the heart. And I experienced that dancing. It was like yes. these two coming together was super powerful. So that's all I wanted to do. Like from that moment on, all I want to do is dance because I made me smile, made me happy and took the depression off my brain. My parents thought it was insane. I'm in Montreal. There's no, you can't make a living at dancing. Okay. How can you? I'm supposed to go to school and be, uh, become an architect, but that, none of that became relevant. I just wanted to breathe and smile. I just wanted to breathe and feel alive. So yeah. I, at 19, so I did this for almost four years. At 19, I moved to the West Coast, getting away from everyone, really, my family first. And I get to the West Coast, Vancouver. There's no ballroom. It's everyone on the East Coast. There's none of that on the West Coast. It's Arthur Murray, which is not what I do. So I ended, okay. up in, I ended up searching some kind of way to incorporate dancing back in my life. And I ended up in a jazz class, jazzercise, jazz hands, which is not right. what I've done for years. Okay. It's very different. The conditioning for an hour, right? The stretching, the conditioning, the strength building, the alignment, all this stuff before you get to dance. Not what I was into, but okay. And so I took class twice a week and within three months again this is insane they gave me a scholarship where you get to train for free okay they see talent in me they see talent in me, scholarship right? at this dance studio right is that what we're talking yeah. about okay all right yeah. yeah so now i become part of the system where i'm one of the upcoming whatever potential okay that was again that was odd and from that moment on i never paid for any training it was studio right. after studio. I even ended up in a ballet studio because you had to go back to linear bass. The bass, ballet is very straight, linear, right? The structure of dancing in your body. So I ended up in a ballet studio just because it was a layer that was not quite in place. I got a scholarship there. It was like, it's ridiculous. And then within this, again, my brain would still have to go to school, become something, even though all I was wanted to do is dance. And as the door kept opening up in front of me, I remember thinking, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Okay. And so I thought, okay, let me give so you, you a couple So you felt a real sense of direction. This is I'm on track for my life. Yeah, like things kept happening to, to show me that path, like despite me even trying, really, which is interesting. So after a while thinking, like, I love this. That's all I want to do. Financially, I don't know where it's going to take me. So... I'm not able to go to school at this point. I'm just working as a construction worker. And I just thought, I go to work and I go dance. I go to work and I go dance. And like I said, eventually it was like, I think I should give this a shot. Everything is lining up to push me in that direction. And I thought, okay, let me just try it for a couple of years. And if there's something here, 
it'll show up and then I'll go back to school or something. That's just needed to try it out. Like somehow it was calling me. Okay. Long story short, I find myself in Los Angeles on a vacation a couple of years from there. And I get discovered in a studio, a dance party with all the local dancers, people who do what I want to do for a living in Los Angeles. Okay. I'm here with my girlfriend for two weeks. And I literally get discovered, like my own Hollywood story. The guy came up to me and said, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you before. I have this international show that we're doing, and I lost a dancer four months ago. So that this was not an audition where you were purposely going to some absolutely not call out to some show or something like this. You're at a party. Somebody sees you. Yep. Boom, you're on your way. Yep. So he gives me the job, and that was my first professional job. And again, I ended up literally staying and going on the road with that job. And when you went on the, it went on the road, you ended up going on the road with some pretty big name people eventually, didn't you? That first job was Chippendale. So I was actually a backup dancer for the strippers. So I wasn't a stripper, though I was part of the show because strippers can't dance. So there was four dancers and six strippers. And okay. we actually got on stage and kind of pumped the show. So the show was incredible, by the way. It was incredible. 2,000 women a night, two shows a night for five days a week, making money, making tips. It was absolutely wild and fun and it's my first paying job which kind of confirmed hey there's some money there's some money doing this right i did this for about a little bit less than a year and a half and life on the road is not sounds glamorous but it's not and also as a dancer professional dancer you have to keep training being on the road dancing for the same show every night numbs you your strength slips your timing slips naturally and then sex drugs and rock and roll that's life on the road so i remember thinking this is really fun but after a year plus a little bit over a year and a half unless i'm like i need to go back home i need to get back to my life this is just a job it's getting me nowhere i'm making money but it doesn't this doesn't build anything i want to get off the road and say what you've been with Trippendales for five years like hmm. how does that help I, me so yeah that wasn't you you hit a wall there you were not really you first it was going pretty good and after a while you realize okay is this all there is? Is that what I'm right. picking up on you? Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually realized how dangerous it was because when you only, we had no responsibilities. Hotels are paid for, salaries, food, right? We made money, put it in our pockets, and partied. That's all we did. We had fun. We danced, we partied, we worked out, we tan, and we played with the ladies, like, hmm. all day long. Okay. So, it went straight. there's something really interesting about that, and, and that's when I discovered there's very traditional, I have... I didn't realize how traditional I was until then. So okay. after getting over all the fun, it becomes perverted. And this is a lot of reason why celebrities lose their stuff. Because when life is easy, when life is just fun, in order to continue having fun becomes normal. So in order hmm. to have fun, you have to up it. And then a couple of months later, you have okay. to up it. And that's part, of the, that's part of the addictive nature of it then, isn't it? You have to keep getting a bigger high, a, a stronger push, and whatever it is. It could be money, whatever be sex, alcohol, drugs, any number of things. All of it. Lifestyle. Of it, like yeah. yeah. Like the, the, you get to, the only, in order to have fun, you have to up it. And it was one of the guys that had been doing the show for five years. And I remember looking at him and I started sounding like him. Yeah. Know, saying stuff like, and I'm like, oh, I'm turning into Kevin. And okay. I knew he was screwed. I knew he was screwed for life. This guy was never going to be normal again. His reality so was completely. You had this epiphany normal. moment. Okay, I see myself in this guy, and I don't like what I see. And it turns out that look, I'm more traditional than I thought. 
I want a family and a wife. Eventually, if I don't get out of here, this will all be impossible because I will never be able to respect a woman again because all we see is the same type. So I quit. So now I have money. I go with, I move, I make my way to Los Angeles. I get settled. I get an agent and I'd start auditioning for music videos and movies okay. and commercials. That's the business. That's what we do. There's a big, that if you're going to do this for a living, you got to be Los Angeles. So I got settled. I started auditioning and I worked and I did industrial, all kinds of stuff. But this is when within about two years, I got to work with Michael Jackson. I got to work with Prince. I got to work with Paula Abdul. Two years with Paula. I got wow. to work with Julio Iglesias and a bunch of people like that came in and out. We're talking about the elite, the biggest names of the biggest names. Straight up. Michael Jackson, the world. Paula Abdul. Yeah. My goodness. Wow. Yeah. And then travel the world because within this, in that business, you perform and you teach. So if I'm going, I was in Thailand for four months. I produced and choreographed a show for the biggest pop star. That was another channel. Okay. So you were teaching the, other dancers, other professional dancers? Yeah. Like in Thailand and other places? Is that what I'm understanding? Around, okay. around the world, but also when you come back to Los Angeles, after being on the road with the biggest Thai pop star, like our Janet Jackson here, there's credit to that, right? There's, okay. there's, there's social proof. Come back from working with Michael Jackson and your class is full. Because people want to be with a guy who's connected nope. to Michael Jackson. There's a sort I got of you. proof in yeah. that. Sure. So the business implies performing and then teaching, always. Performing and teaching and traveling to perform and or teach. And the whole thing's pretty yeah. lucrative and it's at the high of the lifestyle. And uh, Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. I came back in Los Angeles when I was in town. I, would, I had my own studio. Not my own studio. I was hired. I was teaching in a few studios. I was teaching like at one point 14 classes a week, which is a lot wow. physically. And I was really quickly after I got settled within a few months, I was actually looking for my woman. I was, I'd done all the crazy stuff. I'm 27 years old and I'm looking for my woman. Okay. Radar's going, radar going. I'm a male teacher surrounded with 45 young, beautiful women all day long. And they're like, like they're, I'm the leader, I'm the teacher. There's a... So options open, you know what I mean? So the radar just do, 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 looking for the one, do, 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 my okay. radar on top of my head. Do, 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 yeah, do, I got do, you. Do. Yeah. And eventually, my wife walked in the studio, <laughs> and that was it. She came into my class a little bit late, and I remember seeing her from the corner of my eye. And I looked in the mirror, and I thought, I don't know who that is. She came around the space, stood on my right behind, a little bit mid-room, and I turned around. And that was it. I can't explain it to you. It so crazy. something hit you, and did she have the similar vibe at the moment? She did not. And my experience now doing this work is men typically know pretty much instantly the marry, the woman they're going to marry. We have a knowing of that, this intuition. Like, this is her. I found her, like a vibration. I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Women take typically longer to get there because they question differently. Yeah. So I have a lot of data on this. Men know first. This is my wife. This is yeah. the girl I'm going to marry Like ahead of time, like meeting her the first time. So that's what happened to me. And sure enough, this is my woman. I married her. We're still together today. We have two kids. And what well, happened that's, is- That's awesome. How long have you been married at this point? Just give me a clue. We just turned 30 years together. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I know. That's awesome. I mean, in particular, given the circumstance you came from, I'm sure there's lots of folks that you were your contemporaries in the dance world and the entertainment world whose marriages and everything else fell apart. Is that a fair right. assessment? Because the business makes you crazy. And the yeah. business and, and, and the, the amount of space and playtime twists your mind. Like 
if you consider celebrities they're world famous michael jackson prince paul abdul or anybody who's whitney houston all those famous people they can't go anywhere yeah they can't go to the store they can't go to the mall they can't go to the amusement park they can't go to nothing so they they have to hide in their their houses or go to their friends houses and play pool all day but that doesn't they don't they work twice a year depending on the kind of they're doing movies as opposed to whatever yeah. But most of them don't work enough to fill up their space. So they're standing around having mm -hmm. nothing to do, but they're rich. So they're bored, but they mm -hmm. can't go anywhere. So they go and it's so I've seen the well, male do this. The males get we, their posses, yeah. they go to yeah. somebody's house, they start mm -hmm. partying, they bring the hookers, and then they all go to hell. That's just the lifestyle is dangerous. That's what I'm saying. And we know the stories are very evident of those big names who have crashed and burned. Michael Jackson, Wendy Absolutely. Houston, two names you mentioned that are very prominently, yep. their lives were crashed. Just, just so you found, you, you found yourself, Andre, in this world here and this world of entertainment and dancing and all of what this is all about. Something must have snapped with you because you ended up getting out of that completely and going into a field. You, I want you to tell the story of it, but how'd you end up going from this world of dance and entertainment to automotive. Uh, I, help me out with this. Just, they don't seem to go together. You ran a, uh, you owned an auto repair shop or something like that. Yeah. But let's, let's take this twist a little bit here. Beautiful. So what happened is me and my wife were married and we're both traveling the world because she's a ballerina. So she's teaching and dancing as well. Different line of, because she's a ballerina. But so we're both traveling and she's her career and her duel. She's tall and thin and a ballerina. But eventually I wanted to start a family. Again, I'm so traditional. didn't know this. So I wanted to start a family. And it took us a little while because she didn't want to ruin her body, her career, whatever. Cool. But when we decided to get pregnant and start a family, I was not because, again, I raised myself. My family wasn't there. And I was not going to be absent. The absence of dad. I was not going to be in Europe when my kids are – I'm not – Right. That was, it became the trigger where I'm not doing this anymore. Like okay. 15 years of traveling the world. So you had a bigger perspective. You could see, you could project out, maybe not everybody can, but you could project out family, kids, a lifestyle was what you were yep. doing was not conducive to this bigger vision. And I think that's an important piece here. Your bigger vision is what helped you then to make some decisions based on your present circumstances. Is that a fair yep. assess assessment of where you're at? That's exactly it. 15 years doing this stuff is amazing, but it sounds glamorous and it's not. And so the idea of having children, I was not going to be absent. I was going to be in their lives and by design because I'm my own man and I'm my own boss. I've always been. So I just have to design my life to make that work. And that's when the body shop came in because I, literally I, <laughs> we decided to start having kids. I called my agent and says, okay, so I'm not traveling anymore. If you want to I do the work in Los Angeles or I don't, I'm not traveling. I'm not getting on the plane. I'm, I do local work. I'll work that out. But, and she's like, what? Are you crazy? I'm like, no, I'm having a baby. Hmm. So now, because, so my family, one of the things that my family passed on to me is there's, I have four, I have three brothers. There's four men in my family. And my dad was a car guy. So we're car. Oh. That's, so that's, that's part of your background. Family. Okay. I got yeah. you. Especially in Canada, old cars don't exist anymore because they rusted out. In Los Angeles, they're everywhere. So I okay. used to drool over classic cars everywhere. So the idea of, and I had a few classics myself. I started collecting cars when I was dancing. And I had two, maybe three at a time. And that's just, it's just love that stuff. So I decided to open an auto body shop to, as a fix for my need to 
be around classic cars and restore them and save them. Okay. That was All the right. way I saw it. It started with the classic cars and it turned out to be there's no money in restoring cars. So it ended up being a collision repair shop and okay. collision repair. And that exploded right away. Like as soon as I opened the shop, like it exploded. So just for clearer, your bit you you had success in the entertainment dance world. Now you take a really a ninety degree or even hundred and eighty degree turn and go into auto body work and restoration, and that succeeds as well. Is that right? Instantly, instantly. So you're so, that, so you're going you're succeeding in both these tracks, perhaps. Yep, yep. And so much that within a few months, like I forgot dancing altogether. There was no time and space for that. It was not part of my new reality. It was interesting because I used to travel the world and go out to work. Now I'm sitting in my business before it come into me. I don't have to go anywhere. Wow, what a switch. Like, that was cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. So then the idea of traveling again or even doing, you know, and again, we got so busy so quick that I got sucked in and then the machine of it has to, I had to be present. So instantly, like 180 in a few months. Okay. And that was my new life. So you succeeded there and then you ended up, and I just need to get out, want us to start to move towards what you're doing now. And then you... Uh-huh. You said success as a dancer. Now you've had success as a businessman and automotive repair place. And now you are relationship coach. So yep. tell me about the shift then from, from the car world, being a local business owner to now yep. being a relationship coach. Something had to snap there too. Something had to shift there as well. It so did. It was funny. Again, seemingly random, like my life was. People, things lined up in front of me without necessarily me planning it, which is I still, and that's what I call like fate. Like it was just the way it was going to happen and it had to develop that way. It's because of my brain and my curiosity with the human condition and my own condition, I was, since I was 23 years old, I was taking personal development workshops, personal, like one after the other. I was the guy in a workshop on the weekend. And my friends are like, what are you doing? Even in the beginning, like it was even considered weird. What do you mean you're going to sit in a workshop all weekend? That's so weird. Mm-hmm. Money workshops, personal development workshop, all, you name it. Yeah. That was that's my radar. With this, there's a lot of relationship stuff. Like anything personal development always comes back to your relationship with whatever it is that you're struggling with yourself. Anyway, so in 2006, I had the business for six or seven years at a time. Still that guy, still that brain, always inquiring. I ended up in Northern California in a three-day workshop about a business workshop, networking workshop to raise the ceiling on the profit that I was making in my business. I took it as far as I could. I wanted more. Let's go learn. So in San Jose, three days, come back on the plane, and I met a couple in the workshop. So we're sitting, again, talk about random or faith. I yeah. thought it was random. was right. not. The girls, the lady says to me, she goes, what are you doing next weekend? I go, next weekend I'm off. Why? She goes, I want you to invite you to a workshop. It's on me. I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> Away you went, right? huh? The way I went, I said, those can be expensive. She's comping me. She's inviting me. It's local at the, by the airport. Like, of course. And then I go, wait, after I agree, I go, what's the workshop? She goes, it's called Understanding Women. <laughs> Understanding um, Women. Um, All right. Uh, right. And you've had this history of having a <laughs> intense and a little bit an experience with women that wouldn't have been a common experience for a lot of men. Let me put it that way. And an ease with this. I always attracted sweet women like my wife. Me and my wife fall in love with them. Okay. So I always attracted sweet women. I didn't do the crazy stuff my friends did. The yelling, the screaming, the misunderstanding. The, mm-hmm. like, I didn't do any of that. I attracted sweet women. And I thought I knew something. I thought it was me, my artistic personality, whatever. So now I'm going to spend a, 
<laughs> my weekend in the workshop on the same women going, oh, what are you going to teach me? This is right. But anyway, so I went in there a little bit backwards thinking it was going to be cute. When I walked in, it was 400 people in the space. And the energy, I remember thinking, oh, well, it's not cute. There's something is going on here. Something like intense is going on here. And sure enough, sat down. There's half, half women, half men, which is interesting. And uh, the girl next to me the whole time. And at the end of the workshop, my brain is all over the walls. It completely exploded. I realized I knew nothing about women, which meant I knew nothing about my wife. At this time, we have two little kids, a toddler and a baby. And the realization that I knew nothing about how she processed things, how she operates, how she would motivates her, what, why she thinks things personally, all this stuff that I could, we all have a sense of that, but we don't know why. And so when I realized the danger of not knowing that, I lost my mind. Like okay. it's all, my fam- all my siblings are married and divorced twice, three times, one is four times. I have my angel, my baby girl, right? My, my angel with my two kids, I'm not going to mess this up because I didn't know. Right. Like, but my brain is unthinkable. So this is how it started. I ended up taking the entire curriculum. So, so you took all these classes and it's transformed you and how you review women and how that's a big part of what you're all about yep. now in your relationship coaching in, in Project yep. Equinox.net. And so I want to get a couple of things out of you here in terms of what you do now and how it relates to our audience and what their yes. needs are. Because we have a lot of people who have messed up lives in one way or another. Divorces or self-sabotage, all kinds of things that go on when you have adversity in your life. And I find that there's some things that are common that in your experience, what do you think are some of the actions that you took? I think you've named them that helped you to move from a lifestyle of destructiveness to one where you now feel like you're doing something that is beneficial to others. What are a couple of the actions that you took? I just, I was always curious that was just uh, I was talking to you, I was curious I'm curious about everything and that kind of like en- ended up putting me in a position where I discovered stuff that was I was passionate about so when I started doing the relationship stuff I just started for to make sure that me and my wife are going to be okay that's my, that was my only reason to do this I was not going to be statistic because I didn't know I need to understand all of this. I need to understand me within this, the reaction, the stuff we don't know. This is what we don't know. That's really dangerous. I can tell you this now. That's all I do for a living. Like this dangerous, what we don't know about each other and how we function in it, whatever. So that's how that was the beginning of it. I became a workshop leader for that company within a okay. minute because I'm a teacher. So that was, oh, wow. And I've always wanted in the back of my head when I was doing personal development stuff, I would always look at the person in front going, I could do this. I'd be really good at this. Like okay. I had it almost like a premonition of what was coming. So I think like, you pick up on two actions right now that you did here. You're curious, which means you're asking questions. You have a learning mode about yeah. yourself. So the curiosity learning mode. And then you also taught. You mentioned teaching right. in your dancing and the other things in life. And you taught in these workshop areas. So you did those things as well. Learning and giving back. Learn yeah. and return. Some people call that and that that's awesome also it seems to me that when the moment came uh you jumped you actually did something about it you didn't let the moment pass you by 
You moved from Canada to the West Coast to do some things. You had this opportunity to play. A lot of people, if somebody invited you to a workshop on the plane, they'd think, oh, who's this weirdo or whatever, not do it. You did it. You did. That's awesome. So let's talk a minute about, let's go to spiritual level here for a second. I've heard you say in some of our conversations that you feel like you have a God sent calling. And so let's talk about that for a second. I'd like to think about what do you see about what you're doing now in terms of your relationship coaching? How does that connect to something bigger than self? Is there any spiritual element to this? Is anything on kind of a metaphysical plane here we're talking about? So thank you. Good question. So I was raised Catholic and my parents took it to a level of mm, dementedness. Like it was okay. not, even as a kid, and all of us had the same thought, what the hell is wrong with them? In the name of God, they created a lot of destruction within the family in the name of right. By, in the name of by all of us, you mean your brothers and sisters have a similar experience is what I'm understanding yeah. you say. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. My all parents right. were insane with this. So religion was crazy, was dangerous, was hurtful, was evil. And the pain that it created in the name of God was insane. Like mm-hmm. in the name of God, I want to hurt you because mm-hmm. you need to look. Hey. So I rejected all of this early, like the rest of my siblings had. So I'm operating through, all I can tell you is I'm always operating to the good side. You know what I mean? Like the good side always pull me. If I don't necessarily believe in God, I believe in good and bad. And I'm going to step into the side of being good for myself, the way I operate in the world, the way I treat people, the way I'm service and helpful, just because it resonates with me as the right thing to do without any spiritual guidance. However, what happened is the more I train and the more I start, when I start teaching, because people, again, same thing, people came at me. I have a car business and I'm helping my clients. I close the office door because people are crying in my office. I'm the guy that people open up to again. Yeah. So that, Interesting. that's not, big... not many people do that with their car guy. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so weird. And they were like, the, the employees so much, the employees would know that when the doors close, somebody's crying, don't open, don't come in, don't ask questions. And again, so that was, again, the opening up of the challenge of people need this. You're good at this. You have information at this. And they're asking you. You don't have to offer. And and then my friends did the same thing. And all of a sudden, this machine. So the calling was my my dad dies. God, within this, it was years ago, years ago, like over 13 years ago or so, 14 years ago. Anyway, I'm I'm in Montreal with my sister driving to the funeral. And my sister is struggling with a marriage. And so here I am. And she's asking questions. And, blah, blah, blah. and she says to me, and by the way, at that time, I didn't really know what I was going to do with this. And even though I was compelled to keep digging and learning. And she says to me, this was like a God moment. And she says, she goes, my God, you're amazing at this. You should teach this. Okay. So then it became at that moment, a, it's not cute. I want to be the workshop leader. I want to teach this to the masses. And that was the beginning of Project Equinox. That's how it started. Okay. So I had the two businesses for a long time building this business as the body shop is flying. And so you had it. your so you had your aha moment then. Yep. You're thinking, okay, this is bigger than myself now. Your sister Absolutely. punched your button in the sense of, okay, put her finger on it. And now okay. you're doing it. You're teaching it. So let's talk for a minute about your what you did to to change in what you teach now, what are some of the things that you teach? I'm talking about a process now. What are some of the things you teach in the process to be helpful to people? What are what can people expect to find if they call upon you to help them? What I, what, like what I said earlier is it's what you don't know that's dangerous. It's what you don't know that's messing you up. It's what you don't know 
that is a problem. You don't know. If you're a man, you don't understand women. You don't know why they take things personally, why they're so sensitive, why they go from being okay one second and not okay the next second and back to okay. Back, and this, the way they change gear, and we don't understand that. And we get frustrated with that, which makes it a bit worse. So it's, again, it's not understanding the mechanism, the operating system of a female and a male because we're completely different creatures. And, and not understanding this, we know we're different, but we think we're just a little different. But John Gray, Mars and Venus, which is one of the guys I trained with, yeah. that's not even, that's more like two different freaking galaxies. We're not the same in any way. It's actually, we're completely, we're made completely in opposition, but we're made to complement and fit together. So until you understand that we're not supposed to be the same, and then the beauty of it all is that we're not the same, but what I bring to my wife is something I don't, she doesn't have, and what she brings to me is the part that I don't have, masculine, feminine, yin-yang, leader, supporter kind of thing. There's, there's a complementary of each other's natural essence as masculine and feminine. There's a polarity mm-hmm. that is natural. Like everything in nature is polarized. Yang, black, white, magnets, right? Positive, negative. Not and feminine. so what you're about, if I'm understanding that, Andre, is helping men to understand it's a little better women and women vice versa and for them to understand each other because there's a lack of understanding in all these areas people yes. lack not understanding themselves and certainly not understanding each other not understanding or have an appreciation of the other gender and so yep. what's an exercise or what is something that you do for women for instance that's helpful to them what is one thing you help them Beautiful. identify the problem what do you do to help them I call it, this is a term that was created by Dr. John Gray. It's called gender intelligence. We have like intellectual intelligence. We have this different emotional intelligence that we do this, that, be, that are popular terms. Gender intelligence, I tell, I teach both men and women, if you're a woman and want to be in a relationship with a man, you have to cross the bridge into a man world and try to understand and, and really learn what motivates men, why they do what they do, why they tend to be stoic, don't share their feelings. It's not because they're jerks, it's not because they're cold, it's not because we have no feelings, it's quite the opposite. But there's a mechanism, an instinctual mechanism in place there for protection, provision, to handle my stuff quietly, to not be emotional, because emotion, if I'm emotional, I lose myself, so yeah, I'm going to stay on track, right? So there's all these instinctual pieces that are just the way men are wired naturally. And to not understand that creates a lot of confusion for the ladies. So, so same thing with the men. I go, if you want to be in a relationship with a woman, cross the bridge into a woman world and go learn why women say, I need so little, how come I can get it? Why they take everything personally? Why they get their feelings hurt so easily? Like why? There's, again, it's all anthropological work. It's all based in our man cave woman in a hunter-gatherer thing, we think we're beyond this, that we're educated, evolved, and... Okay, you've used the metaphor of crossing the bridge here, going to man world for a woman, and for a man going to woman world. What's one one of those ways that you actually take the steps for a man to go into woman world, for instance? I teach them the operating system of the woman, what instinctively a woman needs to feel safe. Now, because if you're honest, men don't know this, because we don't have ever an awareness of feeling safe in the world, needing to be safe in the world, needing to be connected to each other, right? Men are stoic and they do well on their own. Women need to feel safe in the world and feeling safe for women is connection. Connection for women is talking, community, relationships, and that's what they're looking for all the time. So if we are stoic and tend to be aloof with this, it hurts their feelings. Okay. So talking, communication is a key to this. So if the man is used to being a little bit on the stoic or aloof side, 
to be uh, very intentional about talking, even if you didn't like it that much to do it. Is that what I heard? Is that part of what I'm hearing you say? What's one thing the woman can do if she wants to go to man world, if she wants to try to break through those barriers or get across that bridge? Beautiful question. What happens is because we're stoic, because we don't talk so much, because we can tend to hold our feelings back and bury them really just out of protection, Women think we're shallow. Women think we don't have feelings. Women think we're cold. Women think we're disconnected. Women think we're selfish. That's what it looks like. To a being who needs the connection to feel safe. We don't need that. So not understanding that, women have judgment. They get frustrated, and they're trying to change him, uh, us. And that's a terrible mistake because if you try right. to change the man, you don't get the man. You don't respect the man, and he's going to Which is away. a trigger issue for a lot of men anyhow. Try to change me. You know, rather you can't. Of- yeah. You can't. It's disrespectful. Man, no self, self, what's the word? No Self-respecting, maybe? Thank you. No self-respecting man will stand for being controlled or try somebody to change him. If you don't get him as women, if you don't get him, which means you don't understand why he's doing what he's doing and decide he's going to, has to do it your way as a woman, where you're more comfortable, it falls apart. And men just jump off and she thinks he's a jerk, but you can't. It, that's not how it works. This is not mm-hmm. how you bring him into adjusting for you. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm teaching, understanding the instinctual mechanism in place, the how it works, and how do you bring out the best in him? You feel safe and connected, and he understands why. And yeah. you have to meet in the middle. I call it a sweet spot. You meet somewhere in the middle. A sweet both spot. Sides. So the sweet spot's where we're going. So, Andre, yep. who do you serve? And give me an example of a person that, you've, that you have served. Oof. So... Both men and women, I have a men's group and I have a women's group, but I, the big world, like life-changing work is one-on-one clients where women come at me with injuries. Both men and women, we have injuries, most of us. Nobody gets out of childhood unscathed. So in the, between the age of 5 and 11, the formative years, this is where we make decisions about the world, ourselves, life, and people. And a lot of people walk out of childhood with feelings of neglect, abandonment, and abuse on some level. Sometimes some people have all three, all the way up to sexual and the, whatever. So people that hurt people are injured, and we know that if a little girl doesn't feel safe in the world, and there's all these something, even abandonment, even though there's no physical trauma, but abandonment is a trauma. So little girls who felt abandoned had to man up. And their feminine gets neglected as they grow up. That's just one of the natural, again, it's a defense mechanism. Young men who don't get to man up, no daddy, no role model, raised by a woman who's mama bear, be are castrated and don't, don't, aren't, aren't able to step into being masculine, which destroys the quality of their lives on both sides. So my clients are people who realize they're caught in a loop. Right? Women want relationship, but they can't even get a man to date them a second time. Like They, they can't get... In relationship, they can't sustain relationship. It's always the same disaster. And then you realize it's always me, right? I'm the common denominator. Like I need to find out. And that's those are my clients. Yeah, those ones that come to you. Give me an yeah. example of someone who's come to you and they're give me a testimonial. Give me someone who's had <laughs> had some good thing happen out of being going through my coaching. Have, I have a bunch. So one thing you may not know is I officiate weddings as well. So before okay. COVID, I married I married four of my couples. I am right. doing one in I'm doing one in at the end of March thirty first in Vegas. I'm flying to marry one of my couples. I'm going to Texas in April to marry another couple. So I have one couple that just got married. So this Candace is on the East Coast and she started with me fourteen months ago. 
Within four months, she found her husband. Understanding this whole thing, opening the channel, being feminine, being able to be in a relationship, understanding that whole dance for herself, for him, bringing the best out of each other. He was looking for a wife. He couldn't find anybody who was respectful until she came along and understood respect for men and how to be cherishing him. It was fantastic. So within a year, they got married, and now she's pregnant. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Good news there. Andre, if somebody, if, if there's people out there who, women particularly, but women and men, women and men who resonate with your story and with what you have touched on here about this dynamic between yeah. women and men, and they want to get on that bridge, at least take a step on that bridge Beautiful. that you talked about there, what are they going to find if they go to Project Equinox? So how can you be helpful to them? So I, I have a gift for you listeners if you want. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a kind of twofold gift depending on who's listening, who wants, whatever. So typically in podcasts, people who show up in podcasts are looking for information. But there are people who want listening to something like this, more information. And some people who actually want to jump in and work. There's two different types. I'm inviting your listeners to, if you go to my email, which is Coaching the number one at gmail.com, just email me and write in a text in the subject matter irresistible book i will send them for free so it's a book that i sell called the five feminine qualities high value men find absolutely irresistible that's mm. it awesome it's an ebook you can have it paperback or you can have it like digitally and i'll just send it to you for free it's something awesome. everybody else has to buy if somebody is more with some action driven wants to actually step in in the topic again email me andre coaching one at gmail and in the subject matter just so just write talk now and I will send them a link to my calendar where they can book an exploratory call with me for an hour. And we'll talk about what's not working, what's the challenge, where they see themselves stuck, figure out what they want, dream, I call it. And then I'll discuss how I can help them. That call alone is super great. That sounds awesome. The And we'll put links to all of this, so your website, projectequinox.net, and emails and such that you mentioned all at our website, drbradmiller.com. Fascinating story, Andre. Just the, the, We like to talk here on Beyond Diversity about the wilderness pathway that people go on in order to get to their promised life. And that always has its ups and downs and its highs and lows. But you have a fascinating one to go from a difficult childhood and the things that had, and then through the world of dance and entertainment and wild living and that kind of thing to have an automotive shop and now being a relationship coach and helping to nail this or really put some framework on this nebulous area of the relationship between men and women and understanding the other side and i love that metaphor the bridge maybe we get more people on that bridge to the other side that could be a helpful thing great we appreciate that's the mission as you say you have a god sent calling to do such and we do know this there's a lot of misunderstanding between men and women, which leads to all kinds of other stuff. And we want to do what we can be do to be helpful in that. Appreciate you being with us, my friend. His name is Andre Paradis. That's a P-A-R-A-D-I-S. His, his website is projectequinox.net. And he's all about coaching and relationship coaching. And he's been our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Andre, thank you for being our guest. Thanks so much to Andre Paradis for being 
our guest today on Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. Just some great stuff there. A fascinating story about moving from a professional dancer, having the body shop, and then being a relationship coach. You can find him at Project Equinox. .net. Just a couple of takeaways from our conversation today that I'd really like for you to get a hold of, and that is just the power and the importance of listening. You know, his program and his teaching and his coaching uh, and his workshops really boil down to helping uh, men and women to understand one another and to have an understanding that then to listen to one another to alleviate the pain of misunderstanding, and he calls this process gender intelligence. That is where a man can try to can really work hard at understanding the perspective of the woman, and the woman can understand the perspective of the man. Put yourself in their shoes, and therefore you can begin to respect, treat each other with dignity, and communicate well. And that takes some work. That takes uh, some work, and that's what. Andre is all about helping you to do that type of work and then to help you have better relationships in a relationships or dating or transforming confusion or uh, anything that's difficult and, you know, angst inducing to having more ease and joy in your relationships with the opposite sex and to uh, enjoy it, have some fun with it. And really, isn't that great? If we can have some fun and joy and uh, fulfillment in our relationships rather than be a source of you know, anxiety and pain. I know that's uh, an important thing because that's such an important. One of the greatest adversities people face is in their relationships. That's one of the things we deal with here at Beyond Adversity. So we thank Andre for being our guest today. He's from Project Equinox. Dot net. You can find links at our website, drbradmiller.com. That's where you can find lots of back episodes, over 270 episodes of this podcast, which are here to serve you to deal with relationship issues, or maybe to deal with depression or disease, health issues, or maybe debt, financial issues, or even grief and death. You can do it. We've got guests and teaching in all these areas here at drbradmiller.com. Head on over there, and we can be helpful to you. You can head to drbradmiller.com slash 40dayway for more information about the coaching and the courses that we offer. We're here to serve. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. Looking forward to hearing from you. So connect up with me. And we look forward to serving you again real soon here on the Beyond Adversity Podcast, where we look to help you to grow through what you go through. So until next time, good people, remember to always do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.